set my timer here. I don't think I'll go for the full time. So there's a, there's a positive and a negative to today. Uh, the negative is I'm the third string quarterback. <laughs> right? So Pastor 1 and 2 are out. And uh, praise Brian. Praise God for Brian's effort for his friend. And we'll talk about that a little more. Um, the positive to me being here is it'll be shorter than normal. So you guys can make it out to a good Mother's Day lunch, huh? Anyway, so praise God for that. Sorry, I'm looking. Hey, here it is. So today, by God's will and His calming of my heart to bring you the message. Look at that. That's skillful. Whatever that is. Oh, yeah. Today, this is the plan. If God will allow it, and I'm glad uh, Mr. McKenzie's here, Brian's dad, to correct me in any error that I might say. So you have a phone I saw in your hand, so throw it. If you would allow me to open us up in a word of prayer so that I can rely on the Lord to speak through me and not Tyler. So dear Lord, we just come to you this morning again in prayer. Lord, I'm so thankful for you and the cross. As Josh so uh, simply put it, God, it's all about you. It's all about the cross. It's all about your great mercy and kindness that you've bestowed upon us. Lord, when we deserved hell and we deserved to be separated from you, you provided the avenue. So, Lord, this morning, let us focus upon that. Speak through me. Use me as an instrument to bring you glory. Lord, and open eyes and ears to not hear me, but to hear what your word has to say this morning. So we just trust you and believe in you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you would, turn in your copy of the scriptures. Today I'll be using the old iPad, so hopefully I don't have any problems. So turn, first of all, to Colossians. But anyway, the, before I get to Colossians, I want to commend Brian, and that's based in my heart on 2 Corinthians 5. So if you guys want to turn there, you can, you don't have to, but 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21. So I want to read that before I begin, and just um, commend Brian for this a heartfelt effort for his friend Craig. So it says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be no sin who knew I'm sorry. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So praise be to God that he sent his son Jesus to die for us. So this is our call, right, as a believer, is to appeal to others on Christ's behalf, be reconciled. So this morning um, I'm more of an application guy. Uh, I'm an engineer and a hands-on person, so I'm always worried about the application. So if you hand me a hammer, 
a nice, pretty, shiny 84 ounce. And they're not that big, but big. They say it's a big hammer, so I don't really get caught up in the hammer itself. My brain immediately goes to, what do I use this hammer for? Why do I need this hammer? So I think about the nail that I might hit or the nail I might pull out or how big the handle is just because of leverage sake, right? So I'm thinking of the application of that, not about the hammer. So that's kind of the way my heart works with God's Word. It's like I love God's Word. It feeds me. It tells me what to do. So there's an application piece of that, right? So today the focus of the message is about the application piece. But I'm going to build on Christ, not any more than who He is, of course, but I want to talk about Colossians and the supremacy of Christ above, above everything else. And then also work into what Christ did in Romans 5 and then resulting in Ephesians 4 where we apply that to our lives. So if you would bear with me as we walk through that. So Colossians 3. I'm sorry, Colossians 1. Why am I insisting on 3? So, the preeminence of Christ. So, it says in Colossians, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him, and for him and he is before all things and in him all things hold together he is the head of the body the church he is the beginning the firstborn from the dead that in everything he might be preeminent for in him all the fullness of god was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven making peace by the blood of his cross and you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. He is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister." So this is a great passage to talk about Christ and his, his preeminence, his superiority over all things. So a few things I want you to recognize is this, Christ is, right? Christ is, what does verse 15 say? He is the image of the invisible God. He's the personification of God in the flesh. Scripture supports that time and again where Christ is God in the flesh. He says he and the Father are one, and he does all things by the Father. Obviously, just like in First or John 1, we see, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. So all things were created through him and for him. And it doesn't really list the material things here, even though it alludes to that, of course. It lists all the other things that are invisible, right? All the things that we can't control. Right, we might be able to plant a tree and let it grow. And of course, we're not doing the growing. He's doing the growing. But that's some physical thing. Obviously, he created that, we know, from John 1. But also, he's talking about all things that are in authority. This is a check for me as a person because 
at times, I too will struggle with authority figures, right? Um, whether it be our president or whether it be somebody else that I need to submit to, it's a struggle for me, and I want to take control of that by either rebelling against that authority, right? Like a child does to his parents, or in the case of what do we need to do, right, as far as authorities go over me. So obviously I work, I have a job. I'm not a full-time preacher, as you can tell, but I have a job. And my job, of course, I have to report to a lot of authorities. And I'm in, I'm in sales, and the reason I'm in sales is so I can provide for my family. So, but this sales job that I have, I also have to report to those above me, right? And I do not get to choose who I report to. That's something that's given to me. And that surrendering is a heart issue, right? The surrendering piece of that is where I have to say it's not about me. It's about who God put above me. And that surrendering is often challenging, right? That challenge is something that we don't easily take lightly or take easily. We will resist it and push back on it. We might have uh, someone in authority over us that is not a believer, which I've had most of mine that way. And sometimes their language is a bit colorful, right? And I, we don't use curse language in my home, curse words. But I've often had my boss's boss call me up and call me cuss words, right? And that's his way of expressing himself to me. But to pull myself out of the emotion of the moment and into the big picture is a struggle we all have in life, right? The application of that. So uh, that struggle is something that's there and something we will always fight for, fight with. But the perspective that God put those people in authority will change your attitude or should change your attitude towards it, right? The attitude that God put this person in authority over me for a reason, and that reason is my sanctification. How I surrender to what God would have me in this position to do. Obviously, you have the choice to do what God asks you to do in your job, obviously, right? So obviously there's places where you have to say, no, I will not do that. But there are other times when they may ask you to do something that's uncomfortable, not against the scripture that you will have to do. So, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So obviously the image of God, the firstborn of creation. So he is before all things. That's before creation, also seen in John 1, right? That in everything he might be preeminent. Now, preeminent here means superior. He might be more superior than all of creation and all the things that God has created. So, for him, for in him, all the fullness of God is pleased to dwell. So, he is completely indwelling God in the flesh. God was pleased to dwell in him. And, of course, his purpose to dwell Christ on earth is for him to be fully God and fully man and go to the cross for us. So Christ was reconciling everything to himself, whether on earth or in heaven, and, of course, making peace by what the blood of the cross is. Josh did such a good job of explaining to us this morning or reminding us of this morning. So thankful for that. So, again, this, this all comes back. This is Paul making clear about who Christ is through these seven, seven attributes, superior in all these ways, right? He is the firstborn from the dead. So something I struggled with early on was 
<laughs> he raised Lazarus from the dead. So therefore, Lazarus was raised from the dead before he was raised from the dead. How can he be the firstborn from the dead? Well, it's totally different things, right? Lazarus, he was raised from the dead to only do what? Die again, right? So what a rip. So that's one part. It wasn't a rip, obviously, because God did it. So excuse me. But the key to that, it was that Christ was given what? He was given his immortal body after that when raised from the dead. Lazarus was not, right? Lazarus got flesh back. So he had endured death twice, right? So hopefully God made his second death a little easier than his first, we'll, we'll hope. But anyway, so that is the firstborn from the dead. And of course, the fullness of God, we see scripture after scripture supporting that. And the reconciler of all things, as we just read, reconciling all to himself. But all this is a perspective for us. And the perspective is Christ is all in all, period. And we, as believers, when we recognize that, we need to surrender to Him, right? And it's not a forced surrender, right? I am kind of came from a legalist background and loved to go there in my own flesh, right? This is how we're going to do it. This is the way it's going to be done, period, all that good stuff, right? But in reality, Christ is all about grace, Right now, there is the faith issue, right? Hebrews 11 tells us over and over again about faith, faith of Abraham, faith of uh, all the guys through time. And it lists the um, the Hall of Fame of faith guys, right? Where they by faith, they believed God and it was counted to them as righteousness. Right. So faith is very important. We were alienated from God. Right. And, and I love and. Um, hate verse 21 because it convicts me of who I am right it convicts me that I was hostile in mind doing evil deeds in this world before God chose to save me right I was a hundred percent against God I was an enemy of God and yet God decided okay Tyler I have some special gift for you right so in that case being alienated and hostile to God he took he took what we couldn't do in our flesh and as the Pharisees were doing at that time, right? What were the Pharisees doing when Jesus walked the earth? It was all about justification of works. It was all about the law. As a matter of fact, they didn't like just the law that Moses wrote, right? Moses wrote a few laws, did he not? So the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible are full of law that Moses wrote and he had lots of quality time to write them right so what was he doing he was wandering around the desert for 40 years while God was picking off the sinners right so to speak in the, in the term that they sent the 12 spies in they came back 10 of the 12 said can't do it everything's too um all the people are too big they're too strong for us they did not believe God right so God said okay you're not going in you're going to wander around while I take out the elders and the leadership that said that was an okay move, an okay to not trust God and not enter the promised land because he promised to deliver that to them. So anyway, Moses had a lot of time to wander through the desert and enjoy um, much time, 40 years worth, right, to write lots of laws. So there's plenty of laws right there. And these are behavioral laws, right? behavioral things and the pharisees and sadducees added to those that wasn't sufficient so they built all kind of laws and all of the reason for that just like we do today is we try to build up things that we can succeed at 
to justify ourselves in some form or fashion. And this self-justification, we feel like, gives us some sort of favor with God. That's what we do as people. But what does it say? We were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. And this is even in our best behavior, right? So we know, anyway, we know the truth. The truth is, without Jesus, we would be going um, to a place that he is not. So he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. So again, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Right? So we know that God put sin on Jesus. He bore our sins in the body on the tree. Right? Second First Peter 2.24. He bore our sins in the body on the tree. So we may die to sin and live for righteousness. By his stripes we have been healed. So if indeed you continue in faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven. So, again, we know Christ's supremacy over all the stuff, right? Over creation, over people, over life itself. We know this. And part of this for us is to respond to it, right? Respond to the great love and mercy he showed us by desire to please him, not by requirement, right? Our desire should be to please him. Okay, so if you would, join me also in turning to Romans chapter 5. So I'll make this piece short. And uh, we already alluded to this in Scripture reading, just by pure luck, right? Uh, God had 1 Corinthians 15 on the schedule today, which says what, right? It says the story to which, or the truth to which I'm proclaiming today, that uh, 12, 512 reads, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death spread to all men, because all have sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even more those who sinning, who, whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. So we, have, we, have, we can't escape the sin nature we have. Right, we have the sin that comes through blood. That's the that's how we get it from Adam. Right, Adam's blood has the sin in it. This sin is transferred people to people to people to people. So that that blood that we have is sin. That's why you could you could say a baby dies. Right, the the sin that's inherent in the flesh came through Adam. But we also have our own cognitive sin that we do. Right, like a two year old saying no upon a request. Right. So that is inherent within that child, right? So the sin that we have came through Adam. And obviously Jesus didn't have Adam's sin. Why? Because his dad was the Holy Spirit, right? His father was the Holy Spirit. So came through Mary 
and the Holy Spirit, thus he does not have inherited sin. That's why Jesus is sinless. Not only did he not sin while he walked the earth, he did inherit the blood of man. So, anyway, that's the only point I'll make there because I need to move on. So now turn with me to Ephesians. Oh, I'm stuck there, huh? Anyway, we know Romans 6.23, right? What does 6.23 say? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord, right? So we know death came through the one man. And, of course, uh, Jesus' conception explained that. Life through Jesus act on the cross. So uh, Jesus bore our, our sin in his body on the tree. So let's turn to, now that we know the truth, well, we know the truth, but this is a reminder of the truth for us. What do we do with it? And so here's Tyler's application side, right? I'm all freaked out about application. So the application for me is where the rubber meets the road, to quote J. Vernon McGee, right? J. Vernon McGee, that, I, I, I was actually saved listening to J. Vernon McGee. He kind of talked like I did. But anyway, so I understood him well enough that God entered my heart, right? He didn't save me, obviously, but God's Word and His Holy Spirit did, so... Um, but where the rubber meets the road is where we apply this truth we know. And Brian is a great example to us today, a testament to that, that he is off pleading with his friend, be reconciled to God. And this is an application side of life that we too need to be involved in. We need to be focused in on, first of all, me, not self-glorification, but me being checking myself. Always being, meditating on God's word. Psalm 1 says what? Those that meditate on his word will flourish. That's a Tyler summary, okay? So, by meditating on God's word, it does two things. It transforms our mind and it keeps God's word in our mind at all times. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, By the transformation, by meditating on God's word, your mind is transformed, right? That's God's word's transforming act in our lives. That we have. So Ephesians 4 talks about. The. Um, the application side of what we need to do with this. Now that we have the truth. Now that we know the truth. Now that God has saved our souls. What do we do with the truth? And so. I love Ephesians 4. And Ephesians 4 really. Helps me put a process down. Now, it's not all about process. I get that. But as an engineer, I love process, right? Because you get these nasty equations you have to solve, and it's, there's a process to solving the equation, right? And so engineering training in school really is about teaching you to persevere through those processes because I'll never forget my heat transfer exam I had. So I started one problem, and like four pages later, I arrived at the answer. I got it wrong nonetheless, but nonetheless, it was four pages of hard work is what I did. But long story short, that's a process, right? In this case, we talk about God, and he gives us sort of a process on how we should be responding to the truth of his word. It says in 17 and following of Ephesians 4, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their mind. I can relate to that. The futility of their mind. They are darkened in their understanding. 
alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned in Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption." Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as Christ, as God in Christ has forgave you. So when I think about the putting off and putting on, I can certainly relate to that as a person, right? Knowing God and knowing God's Word and knowing how I behave at times and my desires that I have, and putting those to the side takes effort on my part. It doesn't come naturally. I can't go about the day in my own flesh and expect God to change my heart. I can't do it. He will do it through the reading of his word, as Romans 12 tells us, right? So it says, I beseech you, brothers, by the mercies of God. Look at that. I lost it because I'm up here in front of Gary. Let me say it right so I don't violate God's word this one says I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect so our effort from that perspective is what to be in God's word so that we know what God's word says so it can transform our minds back to Psalms 1 so it talks about uh, in verse 17 I like that in the futility of their minds right so you know people uh, that are all about themselves you're around people at times and I act that way I must confess right I'm a person and I'm a sinner and sometimes it's all about me and I've given no consideration for God's word or others. And it's so obvious to see if you look through God's lens. And God's lens is the scripture that we have. So that scripture teaches us what that means and how we should act and how we should be concerned for others. And it says clearly in 18, they're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. And this ignorance is from what? Not knowing God's word, right? Not using that, not, uh, it's like seeing your face in the mirror and turning away, right, and forgetting what you looked at. 
that applies here in God's word and how we should study his word, meditate on his word, and utilize his word in our day-to-day lives. It goes on to say, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. So we saw how God hardened Pharaoh's heart, right? In this case, we would hope that God would not. He would soften our heart with the use of the Holy Spirit and his word to soften our heart and teach us how he would want us to act and what he would want us to do. So, again, callousness, we know, hardening of our heart, even as believers walking in this world, we're called to accountability with each other. Why are we called to accountability to each other? Because of what callous does, right? Because it is possible for us to be in some sort of sin and us to get numb to that sin and us to continue in that sin, right? And so part of walking with our brothers and sisters is accountability to them. And that accountability to them is having a heart that's open and a heart that's willing to accept God's word in their life. And this is not an easy task. It's easy to say, but probably the hardest relationship we have is our spouse, for those of you that are married, right? And how you communicate with your spouse. And it's easy to see somebody 24-7, 365, and know some sin they're doing, right? It's easy to see that from the outside. But communicating to that in a loving way and then being receptive to that, right? That's tough. And that, t- that comes through good communication, right? Good communication. So I have often counseled with married couples that are struggling, okay? And the fundamental thing that I see in that is just communication, right? Listening. It's one thing to say something, but to receive it from the other person is a whole other thing. So how you communicate that is important, but also being willing to accept that is also important. And that's tough. And as a believer, we're called to do that, like it or not, right? Now, sometimes, admittedly, Dana might correct me in some, she has every right to do so as my sister in Christ. I will have to take a minute. With my personality, I'm going to have to walk away and think about it and let God work on me and chew it over and, and uh, convict me of the truth, right? Because I'm stuck in my stubbornness. So sometimes that is necessary, but nonetheless, it is imperative that we do not ignore that, right? Because we all want to, as God calls us, uh, progressively be sanctified, become more like Christ, be set apart holy as Scripture calls us to be, right? All right, y'all need to throw something up if I say right again. So I told Dana when I got up here, I said, count how many times I say right. I'm not trying to do that, but she said, last time you said lots of rights up there. I'm sorry. All right, so putting off to me is an active command. It is not something that we do passively. You can't put off something you're doing by just ignoring it. So there's a book that I read with my son about being a man, and the four parameters are reject passivity, accept responsibility, lead courageously, and expect a greater reward. Those are four parameters of manhood. Rejecting passivity for some people is very hard. Okay, so everybody has their unique personality, and everybody's going to respond to that differently. 
So, but to have this cognitive issue in your mind, always thinking about it, did I reject passivity today, right? Did I lead courageously? Did I expect a greater reward? Was it about today or was it about God and His plan? So putting off this old self is an act that we have to actively do. We cannot do it passively. And how do we actively put off the old self? We spend time in God's Word, right? So we know the truth, and then we spend, spend time in prayer so the Holy Spirit can work on us and chew on us and convict us of that that we're stuck in oftentimes. And also, to put on the new self. Okay, to put on the new self, the new self is in the likeness and image of Christ. And that is God's command too, right? Be holy for I am holy. And that putting on the new self comes again through God's word. So I want to encourage you to stay in God's word. Probably over my time. Okay, so the other things go through are just specific items that in this case Paul is calling out to the Corinthians to not do, right? To not do. So... I would encourage you to do one thing as I close uh, today up. Study God's Word. Study it so that you know what God's Word says. Don't study, well, I say don't. For me, don't study stuff that says not what not to do. Study what says to do, as Scripture calls us to do, right? Uh, the, the agents, the federal agents that study the dollar bill to make sure they can see a counterfeit, they don't study all the wrong ones. They study the authentic, real bill so they'll know exactly what the truth is. And they utilize that as their effective way to see counterfeit bills. So I would implore you today, be reconciled to God and be about studying His Word. And fill your heart with God's Word so that you'll be able to endure to the end. So that you'll be able to see the uh, wolves in sheep clothing. It's through Him and through His Word. So let me close this in a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we come to You this morning again to give You all praise and glory, God. You are worthy. You are worthy of all that we are. Lord, You have done the work on the cross, and it was all about You, God. And we, as believers, as people that trust You, Lord, with our faith, We trust in you to change us, to be more in your image. Lord, guide us to be about this world and seeking those and telling those others around us that we know are not saved the good news, the good news of you and the salvation that you offer. Lord, we just turn that over to you. We trust in you. You promised to give us the words to say, so we trust in that. Lord, we ask that you be with Brian again and Craig. Lord, open his heart. Uh, Give Brian the words to say to him and his family, Lord, during this time. And and be with the safety of travel. Be with Sarah, too. Heal her body. We just love you, and we need you. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me?